This GCN program brought to you by Frederick Remington. Fully cooked bacon, the thickest, meatiest, center-cut bacon in the industry. Available at FullyCookedBacon.com. That's FullyCookedBacon.com. Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Rob Griffiths, and he'll be telling us about his latest Rankin Mac project. How you like the way those R's roll? And a bit later, we'll hear from Kirk McElhern, whom I understand is also going to be trying the same thing because he doesn't like some of the things that Apple's doing with the current Mac product configurations. But we'll have all this and more coming up on the Tech Night Out Live. So, Rob, it's been a few years since we talked to you. And I think we only talked to you like once or twice after you entered civilian life (laughs) after Macworld. Yeah, I think I said about right. Okay, I want to correct something right away. If anyone ever sees his avatar, it shows him scuba diving. What's the correction? We are not talking to him while he's scuba diving. <laughs> that would be a trick. I'd like that, actually. I love love scuba diving. <laughs> I actually did a review of a product for Macworld at some point. Uh, God, what was that thing? Basically, it was an underwater case for the iPhone that was good at scuba depth. So uh, I think I watched a bit of a video at 55 feet underwater. <laughs> it was pretty bizarre. Too bad you didn't write it while you were watching it. It would have been really <laughs> fascinating. Let's go back a few years to understand this, because I think when we talk about things like Frank and Mac, some of our listeners are wondering, what the heck is that? Are you talking about a grade Z horror film? Not quite. But this kind of dates back to Apple's decision to switch from PowerPC to Intel processors. And that's a long time ago. It was announced at a WWDC in 2005. And then the first Macs on Intel appeared in 2006, and by the time the Mac Pro arrived late that summer, Apple completed the migration like months ahead of schedule. But what this meant is, and this is something where you can pick up on this, what this meant was the possibility then of assembling a generic PC and somehow inducing OS X to install on it. So is that how it started for you? This is my second, and then the technically correct term, I guess, is not Frank and Mac. That's what I call mine. They're they're called Hackintoshes. Um, yes. And I built the first one in, I think it was about mid-late 2008 uh, was the first time. And I built PCs, Windows PCs, of my own for quite a few years. And I enjoyed the process of, of making a computer. It's sort of uh, it's relaxing in some strange way. And on, and on the Windows side, it's, it's very 
common and there's nothing hackintoshy about it at all. You buy the parts you want, you put them together, you boot the machine, you install Windows, and you're up and running. The Mac side isn't quite so straightforward because it's Apple's operating system and Apple uses a bunch of custom chips uh, inside their computers. So what a bunch of very bright and talented and dedicated researchers, quote-unquote, have done is found ways to make most, if not all, depending on what you're building and how you build it, of those parts work in generic PC hardware. So if you use the right list of parts, you can pretty much be guaranteed of having something that could, and I stress could, be used to run Mac OS. How well it runs Mac OS and what you want to do with it will vary depending on how much time, energy, and digging you want to put into the project. Now, just to clarify this for listeners, what you're saying is here, basically, anybody who has a screwdriver and some basic skills can buy generic PC parts, and Windows was designed to work that way. You install it on any PC, as long as it has the proper logic boards and everything, and that means millions of possible combinations of PCs that you can make. But obviously, Apple doesn't encourage the process. So you got to do some finicky things, I gather, in making the operating system install. But from what I gather from a site called Hackintosh.com, that a lot of people have spent time putting this together, testing different hardware to get something that will really work with Apple's operating system. So where do you start here? Do you go to a site like that to do it? Yeah, I actually, I use a site now, I think it's TonyX86Mac.com, but... Yeah, the site is TonyMacX86.com, and uh, what they have there is they have a buyer's guide, and basically it's a big list of parts um, segregated by type of clone computer you want to build. Everything from a Mac Mini up through a Mac Pro to a server there. Let's see if they even list. No. The the one thing that's trickiest to do is if you wanted to build a um, a cloned Mac laptop, Apparently, it's possible with certain brands, but I don't know which ones. But basically, for any desktop you want to build, I start at TonyMacX86.com, and you have to have some idea of how much money you want to spend first, right? So if you want to spend 1000 or 500 or 1500 or 2500 or whatever, because uh, that's going to determine what kind of parts you can buy. And then once you have a budget in mind, you've got to figure out what you want to build with that budget. Um, Kirk, in his case, wanted to build sort of a little miniature file server to replace his Mac Mini. He'll talk about more about that. But his Mac Mini was getting long in the tooth, and he wanted a new one. And Apple doesn't really have a new one. So he went off to build one. For me... Um, I, I enjoy using my Mac occasionally to play games, and in particular, there's a flight simulator called X-Plane, and I have a pilot's license, and I, I love I love virtual flying because it's much cheaper and easier than the real form of flying, especially if you live in Oregon. So I spend a fair amount of time in, in X-Plane, and on my iMac, it does okay. It uh, I have a 5K iMac with whatever the upgraded... Radeon card is in it, and um, it'll push, I don't know, 20 to 40 frames per second, depending on what's on the screen, um, what resolution I'm running the window at. But in doing so, the stupid fan on the iMac kicks into high gear within, I don't know, seconds of starting the simulator. So you've got this constant going the whole time the program's running, and it's really annoying. So um, I wanted to build something that would sort of be a Mac, 
but also a gaming Mac that would let me run flight the the X-Plane Flight Simulator uh, at a much higher frame rate and without the fan going crazy. Or if a fan did have to run, at least it was a fan that I could choose the design and noise level of that fan. So in essence, I could build a machine that behaved the way I wanted it to and not wait. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Apple's announcement that they do care about the Mac Pro and they have another one coming out and it's going to be customizable and they're listening to people's feedback. I think that's all great. But best I can tell, we're probably close to a year away from seeing that machine. So I wanted essentially to build something in the interim that I could use. Um, when I set out with the project, the idea was to replace my iMac uh, with this new sort of high-end Mac Pro home-built and uh, use it as my full-time machine. Now, the perception here is that Apple gear is overpriced. And I suppose you can say that until you compare it with brand name PCs already assembled with similar hardware. I mean, the Microsoft Surface is not cheap. But I would gather if you buy the parts yourself, you can probably do it for a lot less than Apple charges. But a Mac Pro, you want to get a Mac Pro. It starts at 3000 and now they've basically given you the higher end configurations for less money. It goes up to probably over 7000 or $8,000. So before you start... You want something that's going to be a real powerhouse gaming machine. What kind of budget do you set? Uh, I set a budget of $1,500. And uh, of that budget, nearly a thir- over a third of it went into the video card. But the, so the, the thing about the Mac Pro right now is it's not actually a great gaming machine. It, it, ha- it did not have that use case in mind at all. It has a lot of cores, and it has two very large, expensive uh, video cards in it that are not optimized for playing games. They're optimized for rendering moving uh, video. I mean, they're working with video is is what the machine is really designed to do. Um, So even if I had the budget to go out and buy a Mac Pro, it's still, I mean, it would probably definitely run it better than my, my iMac does, but it wouldn't run it as well as a dedicated machine with a gaming video card in it could do could. So uh, that when I, when I set out my budget up, Basically, I I budgeted as much money as I thought I could invest in a video card, and then I wanted a fast processor and enough RAM to take advantage of the the machine I put together, and the rest is just all the parts. Uh, You know, there's hard drives and case and keyboard. And all that. We'll have more to come with Rob Griffiths about the Hackintosh or the Franken-Mac on the Tech Night Owl Live. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. 
But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red products on sale now button. You can always call toll free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much or more than one medication containing acetaminophen per day can damage your liver. So always read the label and don't take acetaminophen if you drink three or more alcoholic drinks every day. To learn more, visit fda.gov slash OTC pain info. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. Hey, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. Have you ever wondered why farmers can keep their livestock lean and healthy just by feeding them minerals in a nutrient-dense diet? Before market, they cut off their minerals, leaving them to crave high-calorie grains to fatten them up. So if weight control is this easy, why does the medical system prescribe invasive surgical gastric bypass for humans? The truth be told, according to research, you can avoid over 900 different diseases just by getting 90 essential nutrients daily. Check us out on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com and order your Healthy Start Pack and get your 90 for life. Or dial 855-301-TEAM. I said essential, not optional, and every day. Easy. 90 for life on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com or call 855-301-TEAM. That's 855-301-TEAM. That's 855-301-TEAM. Check us out on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com at sonsoflibertyteam.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Just a brief note, listeners. The absolute best way for you to support this radio show is to become a subscriber to Tech Night Owl Plus at plus, P-L-U-S dot plus dot We offer you a commercial-free version of this show, better quality audio for a low subscription price starting at $1.49 a week, plus dot Rob Griffiths, a former contributing writer editor with Macworld magazine when they actually had a magazine. (laughs) 
is here, and he wrote an article back in 2008 where he first tried to assemble what they call a Hackintosh and then reported on it, and now he's doing it again because he wants a gaming machine. Now, before we go on, I wonder here, it wouldn't cost Apple a lot of money to offer a gaming-oriented graphics card in an iMac or a Mac Pro. Why doesn't Apple do that? I don't know. And there, and there, there was a, a hint of a iMac Pro, quote-unquote, to come along with the announcement of the Mac Pro. So maybe the iMac Pro will have that in it. Because what a lot of people may or may not understand is that the iMac is essentially a laptop computer. That's what's stuck behind that gorgeous display is the guts of, of a fairly high-end laptop. But the video card that's in it is designed more as a, a, a laptop mobile graphics card than a desktop graphics card and that's obviously with the enclosure of the iMac there's heat issues to worry about and they don't want to have to run the fans all the time so the heat was a major consideration so I mean you are using a computer on your desktop but it's not like a Mac Pro that was designed to be a desktop computer so yeah Apple could definitely do something very quickly and easily one of the problems with the current it's confusing because they've named them all exactly the same, right? So we have the Mac Pro or the Mac Pro or the Mac Pro. We now have the new Mac Pro and the new Mac Pro to be and the older Mac Pro, but they're all Mac Pros. Anyway, if you look at the current generation of Mac Pro, it's so locked down. You buy what you buy, and that's what you have, and you can't do anything with it. With the previous Mac Pro, the cheese grater Mac, if you will, which I still think is the greatest case design they'd ever made, you could replace things. You opened up, you could slide four hard drives in and out, and these incredibly well-engineered chassis spots. The video card would come out, the RAM would come out and go in. So I'm hoping that with the new Mac Pro, the one that's coming out next year, we hope, a graphics card will be, be much more like it is on the PC side of the world, where you order the card that meets your needs instead of ordering a machine that has a card that Apple chose for you. Because there's a huge difference in performance on, on the cards, and, and price points are um, incredibly wide. For instance, one of the main reasons I went with the Hackintosh is that you can use NVIDIA's newest graphics cards. This is very interesting. I don't know if you saw the announcement, but NVIDIA is actually shipping drivers for video cards that are not shipping in any Macs that Apple sells. What that means is that they essentially have written a set of drivers that are only of interest to two groups of people. One is those using up to a 2012, the, the prior generation of Mac Pro. If you have one of those, you can now install a new NVIDIA card in that machine with these drivers. They're called the Pascal drivers that NVIDIA has made available. Or if you're building a Hackintosh, you can use a new top-of-the-line NVIDIA card in your Hackintosh because NVIDIA has made drivers for the Mac, even though that Apple doesn't ship a Mac with a new NVIDIA card in it. So it's an interesting statement, if you will, on the size, I think, of the hobbyist market, because I cannot believe that there's that big of a demand from 2012-ish Mac Pro users for NVIDIA cards. But I think there's obviously a lot of demand from Hackintosh builders. And that's that's why I went with an NVIDIA card, because with that and the Pascal drivers, I'm getting graphics performance that I couldn't, even if I wanted to buy it from Apple today, they don't make anything that, that comes close to it. So NVIDIA is looking for, as they say, unusual sources of income to sell graphic cards and things like that. Now, I would gather here that the number of people with a Hackintosh, whatever you want to call it, it's probably a few thousand. It can't be more than that, or am I wrong? I, I honestly don't know the number, but I would I would be more inclined to believe at the absolute high end, you know, 10,000 uh, at the most, I would say. It's an interesting uh, niche, I guess I would say. Apple could probably kill the Hackintosh business in, in a couple of 
heartbeats of a, of a pen and a software code or, or a ROM update if they wanted to kill the market. I don't know that they actually want to kill it. I know they don't want it to get incredibly easy to do because that would affect their sales. But the way it works now, if somebody was in, inclined enough to want to go build one of these machines to run OS X, you know, they make it to the point where they're like, oh, this is really kind of cool, but man, I'm so frustrated by X, Y, and Z that don't work quite right. I bet if I had a real Mac, these things would just work. Potentially, they get some some customers out of it because you know it's existed now for at least what would you say 10, 11 years. There's been a Hackintosh community, and Apple's never supported it directly, but they've also never tried to shut it down with lawsuits or, like I said, changes in the in the system to make it harder to do what it does. So it, it sort of exists in this gray area where Apple probably certainly knows it exists, and and maybe they look at the activity there to see customer trends, who knows? But no, it's not a big niche at all. Having gone through it, it does not appeal broadly. If you were to ask me, my background is I've never built a PC, I don't like to tinker with things, and I just want a computer to work, should I build a Hackintosh? Absolutely not. Run the other direction. If you don't like tinkering and playing under the hood and the word terminal sends you into fits of fear and shaking, you you don't want to try this. If your livelihood depends on having your Mac up and running 100% of the time, from the time you decide to do the project, it's probably not the wise thing to do. So it's it's a, it's very much a hobbyist's toy. Uh, toy's a bad word. I'm sure there are machines being used for real productive work, but it is not buy the parts, put the parts together, click two buttons, install the software, and go. It, it's that easy at install Mac OS is about that simple. But once the OS is installed, then you have questions about messages. Making messages work is not exactly click and play. Your video card needs these drivers. If it's the NVIDIA card, you got to download the better drivers off the internet. Your sound card may not work. Your Ethernet card may not work. If you want handoff and continuity to work, you have to buy a certain third-party Wi-Fi slash Bluetooth card because its drivers are compatible with Bluetooth and handoff. If you want certain CPU sleep features to work, there's all sorts of weird stuff you have to do and cross your fingers and say a dance to the witches of Eastwick and and then hop three times and hope it works. I'd say video of the hopping three times <laughs> this is going to be right. exciting we gotta see this video rob but the thing that is interesting here to point out just assembling a pc is not a big deal it's not any great shakes or simple instructions it is all this software stuff with drivers and running terminal commands and things like that even terminal commands somebody could wrap it into a simple apple script or something but then you'd have to get the apple script to run the key here is that this is something where everything that you take for granted on a Mac may require some hoop jumping. And every time Apple releases a new update, you may have to start all over again. Yeah, and and there are GUI tools that, that, like I said, there's an incredibly bright, dedicated group of people that keep this stuff going. And there are GUI tools that make it easier, but that doesn't mean it makes it easy because what's lacking is, you know, you won't find this 350-page book on how to build a Hackintosh devoted instructions step-by-step with pictures and which software to run and what to click because it varies. It's such a huge combination of products out there. Every single one of them is going to be a little bit different. So there's not really a one-size-fits-all answer. So what you end up doing is you do a lot of web searching with the name of the motherboard that you used, the graphics card you used, and the particular issue or question you're looking for the answer to. And then you try to find other people that have solved that problem because whatever they did to solve the problem because you have the same hardware is probably going to work to solve the problem for you too we've got Um, rob griffiths more to come on the tech night out live thank you for listening to gcn visit gcnlive.com today
Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cal Ben Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Frank Thomas. When I was playing ball, they called me the Big Hurt. But after I left the game, Mother Nature started putting a Big Hurt on me. I just couldn't stay in shape like I used to. Turns out, it wasn't my fault. Once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone, and that can make it harder to get into shape. But luckily, I found out about Nugenics. Nugenics is a unique man-boosting formula powered by Testofen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help boost your free testosterone levels. Get a complimentary bottle now by texting PRIME66 to 321321. With Nugenics, you can feel stronger, leaner, with a lot more stamina and energy. And guys, she'll like the difference too. Nugenics is GNC's number one selling men's vitality product. Get a complimentary bottle now by texting PRIME66 to 321321. Nugenic samples are not available in stores. So again, text PRIME66 to 321321. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip flop all night long, I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10 year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow and I give you a 60 day money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN.
Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Rob Griffiths talking about assembling a Hackintosh, which is basically an off-the-shelf, custom-made PC that is induced, encouraged, and convinced (laughs) to run OS X or Mac OS. And as you see, every step is troublesome. But I assume all these sites have fairly well-tested standard setups that if you follow those things and don't try to stray beyond those basic setups you won't do too badly. You won't, but you will still need to do, fiddling isn't the right word, but it, it, the basic process is you, you need to have a Mac of your own first. I mean, you can't you can't do this without a Mac. So you start on your Mac, you get a copy of Mac OS Sierra, and you install it on a USB stick using a, a special program called Unibeast. And what Unibeast does is set something up so that when you boot your PC or your Hackintosh, whatever you want to call it, the USB stick boots, and it actually launches Apple's installer, which then runs through and installs on the hard drive, including those bits it thinks that it needs to get your machine running. Then the machine reboots, and... And, you know, as when you go through Apple setup, there's a spot where it reboots, reboots back in, you finish setup. But then what you've done is you've created a Mac that actually cannot boot on its own yet. Uh, you have a full version of Mac OS installed, and it will run as long as you want sitting there, as long as you've booted off the USB stick. To make the Mac OS itself boot, you have to get certain things installed, like the network driver, the uh, audio driver. Well, you don't need that to boot. But there, there's a few key items that have to be on the hard drive in order for the machine to boot itself up. So then you run another utility and copy those things over and cross your fingers and hope you copied the right ones or the right versions of the right ones. Pull out the USB stick, reboot the Mac, and hope you're greeted with, you know, welcome to Mac OS. But some of that also takes you back to the early days of Windows where you had to do a lot of craziness to get things to work. It's very similar in the sense that, like I said, you're, when you're doing your web searching, you're always putting in the name of the motherboard, the the video card, anything else might be specific to your setup so that hopefully somebody else with an identical setup has already found and solved whatever problem you're having. Uh, with my machine, I there's sort of two showstoppers, if you will, that have sort of prevented it from becoming my day-to-day Mac right now. And one of them is I cannot make audio work after sleep. Audio works fine until I sleep the computer. Then when I wake the computer up, I have no audio. I've found reams and reams of information on fixes for this very particular problem using my same hardware and my same video card, and none of them seem to work. So that's an unresolved problem at the moment. I cannot remember the other one, but sort of, there's sort of these two big issues that are uh, preventing it. If it's going to be my main machine, the, the audio, I mean, I listen to audio, watch movies, that stuff has to work after sleep. And and I've spent tens of hours on just web research trying to find answers to those problems. And um, I've black screened the Mac a couple of times trying to fix it, made a fix, it didn't work. So then you wind up booting in single user mode, and which is like, welcome back to 1970s Unix. Yeah, if, if you're not willing to do any of that and you don't like doing any of that, don't build a Hackintosh. I would not recommend it. Now, the one upside to doing this is you can pick any case you want. So you can make a very nice looking machine. In my case, what I 
in my case, the case I picked, there's room for seven internal drive bays. And yet it's not much larger than, I don't know, it's like a mid-tower, slightly larger than a mid-tower. It's a good size case. My, my case would probably hold two of Kirk's cases. Um, but because it holds multiple internal drives, I have and can install. I have Linux installed on one hard drive. Actually, I'm going to put it on a second hard drive this week. I have Windows on another hard drive, and then I have Mac on its own hard drive. So when a machine turns on, I can pick any of those four operating systems to boot into. And then once they're running, the other drives don't exist as far as those OSs are concerned. So it's not like they show up and I have to worry about not accidentally erasing or writing to them. They're just not there. So in one box, I essentially have four computers sitting here, much like you could do with VMware or Parallels, but that's done through software. Obviously, this is full hardware with native drivers for graphics and things you plug in. So it's kind of a cool way to have one box that does whatever you want it to do. All right, let's do some estimating here before we go on. Just assembling a PC box, you select the components you think you want. Putting it all together, it comes in a big box or a bunch of boxes from Newegg or one of these suppliers. How long does it physically take you to assemble this before you begin to worry about the software? Well, the answer to that is anywhere from uh, a few minutes to 3,700 days. <laughs> it kind of depends on your experience level and how well things go. Um, I'm thinking of the hardware first before we right, worry about right. the software. That, that, that's all I'm talking about. So, you know, if everything goes perfectly and you've done this before, I think, I, you know, my, mine didn't go perfectly, and I can explain why in a minute, but I, bu- I built a PC just last year, and it took probably 45 minutes just to plug everything together. And most of that time goes to um, the CPU, the CPU cooler, the fan, that part. And then just it, there's a lot of a lot of cables and tight little spaces that you're working with. So it's not overly complicated. There's lots of good online guides. If you've never built one before, you definitely want to follow one of those. But basically, you bolt the mother drive to the case. You connect the hard drive to the motherboard, the power supply, the CPU, put the RAM in, um, install any expansion cards if you bought them, uh, plug the power cords from the power supply into the various spots, hit the power switch, and hope you see the BIOS screen. So typically, if you've never done it before, I'd say if you allotted two to three hours of, you know, both watching how-tos and how-toing yourself, you'd probably have the thing together at the worst. And Kirk will be a better one to ask, I think, because this is was the very first machine he has built. So it'll be an interesting uh, feedback from Kirk. But I would guess two to three hours if nothing goes wrong. Now, what you might find is that, I don't know, the fan you picked when you ordered from Amazon and the case you picked, the fan doesn't fit the case. Or you, uh, what will happen most often is that there are these, um, all those cool little front panel switches you see on PC cases, like for USB and power, and there's usually a hard drive light and all sorts of stuff. Each one of those has a little tiny cable. It's got a plus minus. Obviously, one's positive, one's negative. And they go on these little tiny ports on the motherboard. And sometimes they're not labeled very well, which is plus and which is minus. And if you get them backwards, obviously nothing works. So you may spend a lot of time getting those particular switches working properly. Nothing goes wrong if you don't do it right and the parts don't work. So it's... Um, like I said, I, I enjoy the process. I like tinkering, and it's it's you know it's kind of a cool feeling when you take all these things that arrive for, in the mail, or you go pick up locally, and you got twelve boxes of things, and you put them together into one, and you hit the power switch, and you're greeted by the the BIOS screen. It's kind of like, hey, that's kind of cool. Okay, but once we get past the hardware, you may never stop with the no. software. It's yeah. just an ongoing <laughs> process. Yeah, it's you know, and it, it doesn't necessarily. Ha- it depends. It depends to a large extent on how much of the full Mac experience you want on your Hackintosh. So, if I was building a machine that I just wanted to, I don't. Uh, 
process Blu-rays, right? Rip, you want to rip a Blu-ray and convert it to a format that works in iTunes or whatever else. Um, and I just wanted a machine to do that. Well, I don't care about continuity or handoff. I may not even care about networking to, to some extent. I definitely don't need to care about messages. Um, so a lot of these things that become tricky details in a machine that you want to use every day to do everything, you don't need to worry about. And that's kind of what Kirk's approach is closer to that end. So uh, he doesn't care about a lot of the things that I've spent literally hours trying to find answers to. For him, they're not even relevant. So if, if you just want to build a machine for simple purposes and you have other machines that will take care of most of your computing day-to-day needs, um, you may not have to tinker with your Hackintosh much at all. If you're trying to make it replace a Mac and you want it to do everything your Mac did, you're going to have to tinker. Now, this is home-built PCs. Is it possible to buy an off-the-shelf PC from one of the major companies? Because they have seven zillion configurations like Dell or HP. Any of those things? Um, My understanding is that Dell used to sell a machine that you could turn into a Hackintosh. Um, I don't know if they still do, and I don't know if there are any others. Um, A lot of the problem there is if you go with a brand name, they may have their own sets of custom chips on the motherboard that does things that they like to do to their hardware. So who knows? Uh, I know Dell did sell a machine, this was many years ago, that was Hackintoshable, if that's a word. Um, But I don't know what the situation is today. I also wonder if a company like that gets a quiet letter from Apple Legal saying, you know what? This machine can be used to run our operating system illegally. Maybe you shouldn't build it. I'm just (laughs) suggesting, I'm being paranoid, we understand. We're talking to Rob Griffiths, a former Macworld writer, who is assembling, I guess this would be, what, your second Franken-Mac? And we're going through the experiences. More to come on the Tech Night Owl Live. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine tablets, 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. 
Lifetime Graze 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. Hey, diabetics. Yeah, you. Got a spare hour to waste going to the pharmacy to get your insulin or other meds and supplies every month? I didn't think so. Me either. I've got life going on, which is why I use PillPack. PillPack is an amazing online pharmacy. They package up all my diabetic meds and testing supplies into daily doses and send it to me every month automatically. All I do is pay my normal copay. PillPack does the rest. I'm serious. This is a free service. They don't even charge for shipping. PillPack handles all the medical insurance stuff and even get with my doctors for my other prescriptions so I don't have to, which is good because that's the stuff I forget. But PillPack remembers everything. They even package up my daily vitamins so I remember to take them too. If you're diabetic, your meds and supplies are life and death, which means you need PillPack. Call right now for this free service. You may even qualify for $25 in free vitamins. 800-560-7310. That's 800-560-7310. Again, 800-560-7310. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So Rob Griffiths wanted to have a gaming machine, but he's a Mac user and Apple pays mere lip service to gaming, adequate but nothing extraordinary. So he went ahead and did this. By the way, the original Hackintosh that you wrote about for Macworld, is that still being used? Was it taken apart? What? Uh, it was taken apart. I think I sold the motherboard and parts to some guy who was building a PC. So I still had the case. And that's actually one of the first snafus I ran into was that I wanted to reuse the case in power supply because it's a nice case and I already had it and it was paid for. So sunk costs lowers my expenses. Uh, and everything went great till I got to the video card because uh, – on the newer video cards, there's a couple of ones. One, they take a lot of power. And two, the connector on them is an 8-pin, and my motherboard had a 6-pin. Now, from what I read of the standard, a 6-pin connector and an 8-pin 
graphics card should work just fine. They they made it backward compatibility. So six and eight should be fine. But the problem was my power supply wasn't putting on enough power to actually drive the card. So I needed to replace the power supply. Well, the way my case was designed back then, the fan for the power supply was simply on the back. And uh, now the new power supplies, there's a fan on either the top or the bottom. So you want those areas to have air access. And my case didn't have that. So I actually had to stop, take everything apart, buy a new case, reassemble the whole thing in a new case and start from ground zero, as it were. Not much fun, it sounds like. So you just can't reuse the old stuff. You have to have the new stuff. My stuff was 10 years old almost. So um, if you had stuff that's a few years old, it should work fine. And the, the case itself, other than the power supply issue, um, would have worked fine. It was a nice case. And probably I could have dremeled a hole in the top and the power supply would have worked. But I didn't want to go that route. So a case in general shouldn't be an issue uh, reusing. But you know the same, same thing happens on the Windows side or PC side that happens on the Mac side. If you've got an old motherboard, it's an old motherboard. So it's got a slow CPU and slow RAM and newer stuff is always nicer. And uh, the the Parts pricing, like I said, I spent 1500 total, and uh, 520 some of that was on the video card. The rest of the stuff is relatively inexpensive on its own. The second most expensive thing was the CPU. Uh, and again, Kirk and I took different approaches. I bought a Core i7 machine, 4 gigahertz of uh, Skylake, which is the last generation, not the current bleeding edge generation. And the reason you want to do that is that Apple doesn't sell anything yet with the new generation of CPU, so that would be a problem. Uh, and Kirk went with a i3, maybe even, or maybe an i5, um, so he spent a lot less on his CPU. But that is one challenge. That even, even building a Skylake is an uh, interesting exercise because Apple's only shipped one Mac, uh, the latest iMac, that is based on the Skylake, ar- Skylake architecture. So if you go a generation older than that, things actually tend to work a little better, but I wanted to try to live a little closer to the foreground in theory though you could create a workstation class computer with a xeon and everything else in theory you certainly could yep of course theories we wonder about (laughs) now let's look at this here so maybe two three hours to build the box the hardware assuming it's a normal process yep how many hours do you put into dealing with the software to get something up and running that is mostly useful well, if you, if you look at it from Kirk's perspective, uh, I had an up-and-running macOS installation probably within an hour of, of starting the process. Now, there's 20 minutes of work on the Mac to copy Sierra onto the USB, and then you boot off the USB. And once that happens, though, you start the installer. It's the regular macOS installer. You just run through, and it finishes, and it reboots. And so at that point, I had macOS running. Uh, it wasn't yet booting on its own. That was probably another 20 to 30 minutes worth of effort. So call it an hour and a half to get a booted mac os system so we're in for what four and a half hours at this point Um, but my booted system didn't have any audio i think i had wired but i didn't have wireless networking the keyboard worked the mouse worked that stuff was fine messages didn't work well i take that so messages is is a challenging thing because of the encryption apple encrypts messages traffic so in order to have encryption you have to have a machine that apple knows and trusts and they do that off serial numbers. So basically, in order to make messages work it, via messages, as opposed to messages over AIM or any of the other non-messages services you can run in messages, you essentially have to fake a serial number for your Mac so that it can legitimately encrypt your conversations. So it's not overly hard, um, but it's not 
cut and paste and, and it's not GUI double click a button and off you go. So, you know, messages is a little challenging for me. Audio was challenging and still is challenging. Like I said, I'm sort of halfway there. Um, the graphics card stuff wasn't very hard at all in terms of, you know, the, the nice thing is all the motherboards nowadays have onboard video. So when you first set the machine up, you plug your monitor into the onboard video because that doesn't require any special drivers, uh, to get the, to make it work well. So you boot that way, you install that way. Then once it's installed, NVIDIA has a web download for their drivers. You download and install their web drivers, turn off your machine, change the display to the graphics card, plug, reboot, and if anything works, you're now using the fast video card and uh, with the drivers from NVIDIA, if you bought an NVIDIA card, of course. I'm exhausted. Me too. <laughs> so how many hours total have you put into this so far? Oh, Huh, uh, a lot. Um, over 40, I'd guess. Okay, so let's think about this for a second. That is, what is your time worth, ladies and gentlemen? Right. You know, that's, if you have time in your hands, it's okay. And what is it now? The minimum wage is what? Seven and a half, eight dollars an hour. So, okay, he's going to calculate as we do this, all right? <laughs> so, therefore, it's worth a few hundred dollars of your time to do this if you really are like a lawyer and you get a you know 250 dollars an hour or something you know it's the loss of thousands of dollars of labor but the point is here your time is worth something and even if you can build a computer for half the price of a genuine mac by the time you factor in the time you spend getting it up and running is that time worth it i would never tell anyone to build a hackintosh to save money Period. It's not a valid. I mean, yes, the parts are cheaper, but you said there's a, there's a function of the cost of your time, and the amount of money, even if it all works perfectly, the amount of money you save isn't going to change your financial outlook for the next 20, 30 years. So the the reason you build a Hackintosh is to get something that Apple won't sell you. Period. I, I think that's if if you're not doing it for that reason. Other than if you just want to play and you want to build one and see what it's like, um, if you choose to build one for some purpose, I think that purpose has to revolve around the fact that you want something Apple won't provide you. I wanted a case with room for seven hard drives. I wanted a high-end graphics card targeted at gaming. You know, Apple. I'd love to give my money to Apple for that machine, but they don't sell it. Kirk is the exact same thing on the other end of the scale. He wanted a new Mac Mini to act as a server in his house. His, I think, is six or seven years old, and the only change in that time is I think there's a slightly faster CPU, and they, I think, they actually took away some other stuff when they did that. So they took away the ability to upgrade RAM. Okay, yeah. So he wanted sort of an upgradable mini server that would run Mac OS and, and be newer and, and more capable than the one he had. Again, Apple doesn't sell what he wants, so that's why he chose to build one. Um, the fact that he's saving money or that I'm saving money is is more of a side effect. But certainly, you would not go into this with the idea that you're going to be able to build for $300 what Apple's selling for $3,000. That, that's just not true. Yeah, I think Apple, looking sorry. at this process, sees it's a pain. Oh, yeah. Right. And they also see that a company is not sitting there and saying, I'm going to sell these. Because as soon as somebody tries to sell them, yeah. Apple will go after you. But just watching some hobbyists, you know, have a lot of fun, they don't care. This is yeah, not on their radar. It's not going to it's not going to impact Apple's bottom line, even if this is incredibly successful, because the barriers to entry are if, if step one is build your own PC, <laughs> that's a pretty big gate. And the thing to also bear in mind here is you may find a Mac that is mostly suited to your needs. Maybe not completely, but mostly you compromise. I would hope, though, that Apple's promise of a professional configuration 
for the iMac will mean something. You know, more options, more processor options, more graphics card options, things like that. That's something they can do with the iMac without a lot of rejiggering. Yeah, I, I think they certainly could. And it's, you know, it's, um, you know, if you, if you were to talk to Dan Frakes, uh, the machine he would like them to build that they've never ever built is, uh, I think it's got three or four M's, like the mythical Mac mid range mini tower. Mythical mid range Mac mini tower. Yeah, you know, it's a machine with three or four drive bays and it's short and squat and uh, it's got a replaceable graphics card and it's sort of a mid-range machine, but it's 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 got parts that you can upgrade so you don't have to buy a whole new machine every few years. So, I mean, I love my iMac, but it and it ignore it really annoys me that if I want to upgrade to something newer, I have to get rid of a perfectly fine functional 27-inch display. It's, it just doesn't seem right. And the thing here is my vision of that was a headless iMac, which right. would be basically the guts of the iMac. We understand they're mobile-oriented parts, but they're still pretty good. The guts of an iMac with a small expandable box. It doesn't have a display. You buy your yeah. own display, and you can do the upgrading you talk about. But it came out to be the same thing, just that he came out with a more elaborate name than I did. In any <laughs> case, we've got Rob Griffiths. The subject is Franken-Mac. And more on the Tech Night Out Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. This is Dan Pillard. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. 
So we see here that it's possible, but certainly not easy, to assemble your own fake or faux Mac OS clone, and that you might get something that Apple doesn't build, and it will mostly work, but you will have to play with it. It requires babysitting, constant babysitting, because things may go wrong. You want to use this app, you want to use that app. It's not necessarily a work machine. It's a hobbyist machine, unless maybe a machine that does one purpose and you optimize it for the one purpose and that's all you use it for. Maybe this kind of thing will work. Is that a good picture yeah. of it? You know, if you were to chart it, it's one of those logarithmic charts that approaches infinity as you get near the axes, where the percentage of Mac functionality that you want, if you want that to be 100%, you're looking at a lot of time and fiddling. If you're looking somewhere closer to the middle of that curve, it, it can be not quite so bad. Kirk had a couple of issues, but generally got up and running pretty quickly, and I think it's doing what he wants it to do now. You are always aware that when Apple ships an update, you do not want to click update. You want to go to the forums and see what other people had happen when they clicked update. Um, and if it went okay for them, then you can probably go ahead and update. Or maybe there's a new update updater that you'll have to install on your Hackintosh before you can run the other updater for fear of you don't want to blue screen your machine. So like I said, I, it's, it's not anything I think Apple loses any sleep over at all. And they may even view it as a net positive because it keeps people talking about the Mac and it keeps people interested in the Mac in, infrastructure. And, and if they get frustrated enough i think it probably gets them to move to the mac <laughs> and by the way it's the question never been asked of any apple executive that i know hey what do you think of these people who <laughs> build their own hackintoshes these home-built macs and they induce it to work what do you think about that and i wonder what they'd say or maybe they'll just be up front and say you know what they're not selling it they can do what they want but you know something like that you know a generic yep. comment he won't he might just say we don't comment on things like that now let's look at this here we can kind of configure what Apple might do with an iMac if it's going to have some more professional options, some higher-end options. Uh, that I can see pretty easily. But now we have Apple making a modular Mac Pro, an upgradable Mac Pro. But they're not going to bring back the cheese grater Mac because that they can do tomorrow. <laughs> so what's taking them a full year to do this? That's what scares people. Um, to be honest, it's you know, and and I think there was something about the the way the the meeting went where I'm not and I don't remember the details, so I don't want to try to get it wrong. But basically, the it wasn't clear that the that the machine itself would be upgradable or if it was simply less monolithic than the current Mac Pro. That is. You could spec different stuff in this new machine, but it may not be something where you can pull the cover off and replace parts yourself. You know, that, that it can still be a modular machine. It can just be a non-user modifiable modular machine. Much like, I mean, an iMac is sort of a, a taken to extreme example of that. When I go to the Apple store, I configure the iMac that I want. How much RAM, what, what processor, what graphics card, which keyboard, mouse, and trackpad, um, and I hit go. And once I have it, I have a machine that's been built to my specifications, but I can't change anything other than the keyboard, mouse, and trackpad. So the, the fear is that this modular, quote-unquote, Mac Pro is going to be more like that in terms of you go to the store, it's like, okay, I want to build my gaming Mac Pro or I want to build my music Mac Pro or I want to build my video editing Mac Pro. And that means you get these things and they come in this box and that's what you have. And then in two years, Apple introduces a new configuration of the video Mac Pro and you can't take the one you just bought and 
buy the parts to make it a newer machine. You have to do what we do today. Get rid of the old machine, buy an entirely new machine. So, I think, though, with the existing Mac Pro, they would have learned that's not the direction to take. It's not just having a configuration that works better, a single GPU, that kind of thing. It's not know. the issue. The answer <laughs> has to be... If they've talked to professionals, professionals want to know, I can put another drive in there, I can put another graphics card, I can swap out the processor, I can add more RAM. I think any creative, any Mac professional Apple would talk to, and they claim to have talked to them, would say that. I, I would certainly hope so. Like I said, but the fear is because of the way that the meeting words were used, that people are concerned it won't be user upgradable. I think it's got to be. But And I think from Apple's perspective, it makes a ton of sense. If you're going to spend a year engineering this thing, or two years, or however long it's going to be, wouldn't you want it to last like forever so you don't have to do this again? And how do you make it last forever? You make every single part in it replaceable. So you don't have to come up with a new one. So who knows? I have my fingers crossed. I have... I have reasonably high hopes, but I guess we'll see maybe hopefully by this time next year. Oh, my gosh, that sounds so long away. <laughs> you know, I had a theory here, which we may not even turn out to be true. Apple is having a WWDC keynote on the afternoon of June 5th. Now, let's look at the past. The 2013 Mac Pro was introduced at WWDC, but didn't ship till the end of the year. And then only in very limited quantities. So people really didn't get it till the first quarter. Is it possible here, since Apple's already pre-announced we're working on a new Mac Pro, to show something in progress at WWDC? Say, here it is. It's not quite finished yet, but this is where we're going with it. And it'll be out early next year. In theory, certainly. Uh, the timings, I actually had that thought because the timing seems very similar to the 2013 Mac Pro. Honestly, obviously have no idea how far along they are. It, the, the one thing that was kind of weird about that whole meeting with the roundtable was that it's like, are you just now realizing nearly four years into the existence of the Mac Pro that it's a problem? I mean, it's been the feedback since almost day one of that machine's release that this isn't working. So why are we just now coming to this realization that it's a problem? And if you are really just coming to it now, then I don't think they'll have anything to show in June. If they really realized it a year, or a year and a half ago, hopefully they'd have something to show us. So what I hope is that they aren't Apple is such a strong design company, and this is something that needs to be designed, but it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be the new Mac Pro, the current new Mac Pro, you know, which was a groundbreaking industrial design. We don't need a groundbreaking industrial design. We need a box that you can put things in and take them out and put other things in. <laughs> you know, that, that's about it. And so I just hope we don't kind of some cylindrically shaped thing with triangular legs there. Each leg is a modular. We don't need any of that. We just need a box that looks okay that you can put things in and take them out. But why is it taking so long? Unless oh. Apple is waiting for specific graphics cards from NVIDIA or AMD that are still being developed or a new processor upgrade from Intel. Maybe they are waiting for things to come and then they can bring it to fruition. Perhaps. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it, the, to me, every day that you don't have this machine out and that you still have that website with your 2013 Mac Pro sitting there, um, you're losing potential sales to people that, I mean, honestly, if you look at the Hackintoshes, most, I can't say most, a lot of people are building high-end machines because Apple doesn't sell one that does what they want. So, and that's, that's margin dollars walking out the door. Now, from Apple's perspective, it's not an iPhone. So we're not talking about a lot of margin dollars because they don't sell as many Macs as they do phones. Um, so I don't know. It just, 
it will be nice to see something new on a desktop, uh, whatever at this point, whatever it chooses to be, uh, an iMac Pro, a new Mac Pro, a new Mac Mini. I mean, they just the desktop has been a, a wasteland for a very long time. Let's look at the Mac Mini for a moment. So Apple made, again, some interesting comments that a small number or a third of the people who buy the Mac Mini are professional users. And I was wondering here, and I looked at what the PC offers. And HP has, what is it called, the Z2 Mini? Is that the one? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, I want to check it right now. HP Z2 Mini. The HP Z2 Mini is what they call a mini workstation. And if you look at it, it's actually kind of a variation, a somewhat larger variation of the theme of the Mac Mini. You get my picture? The difference, other than being larger and heavier, is that you can use more high-end parts, more configuration options. So the question here is, is that a direction that Apple should consider with the Mac Mini? It's not at all that Apple should imitate what HP is doing, but maybe it points in a direction about possible higher-end configurations for this particular model. Hmm. we got more to come with Rob Griffiths. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Message and data rates may apply. When did American men get so soft? Today's average red-blooded American man has less testosterone than his father, and his father has less testosterone than his father. Before we turn into a country of powder puffs, Force Factor is launching the Man Up America event. We want to send every man in America a complimentary bottle of the breakout supplement taking GNC by storm. Test X-180 Ignite, loaded with free testosterone-boosting manliness. Get your complimentary bottle by texting ACTIVE55 to 369-369. During workouts, Test X-180 Ignite raises levels of free testosterone in your body to help build lean muscle. Plus, it helps burn fat, fuel sexual desire and improve performance now you can continue to feel like the real men that made this country great do yourself a favor do america a favor text active 55 to 369369 for your complimentary bottle that's a complimentary bottle by texting active 55 to 369369 this is david cordani ceo of cigna for more than 20 years cigna has worked with the march of dimes to address premature births in the u.s Premature births cause horrible suffering and cost billions of dollars each year. 
That's why Cigna is committed to raising funds and awareness through our employees, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies. Please join us in supporting the March for Babies. Start your team today at marchforbabies.org. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Do you know what's lurking in your water? More than 200 contaminants could be sitting there just waiting for your glass. With a ProPure water filter, start enjoying clean and great tasting water today. ProPure filters, independently tested, latest water filter technology. ProPure systems do not require electricity and are easy to set up and easy to use. To find out more, visit your authorized ProPure dealer or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. On the Tech Night Out Live, one more segment with Rob Griffiths, and we're talking about now not a Franken-Mac Hackintosh. We're talking about what Apple might do. So if you look at the Z2 Mini from HP, you're seeing like a Mac Mini on steroids. Bigger, heavier, but not that much heavier. Maybe a pound or two more. Something, Something that maybe Apple could consider in providing some more professional variations for the Mac Mini, more choices, like like a cheap Mac Pro. Yeah, I, I am all for anything that gives the user more control over what hardware they're using. You know, breakout boxes are whatever. I know I can plug in anything via Thunderbolt three, but there are things that you really want in the machine. The graphics card being the biggest candidate for. Yes, that. And obviously the RAM, nice to have a super fast hard drive directly on the motherboard, all those things. So anything that lets me as a user customize those the way I want them is a win for me. I think I think a bigger mini could sell. In, in essence, a bigger mini would become closer to that headless iMac you talked about. So it appears that Apple wanted the mini to never cannibalize anything. So they made it so bizarrely configured that it really couldn't replace any of the higher-end machines. It was strictly this low-end entry-level machine, with the exception of that Core i7 they offered for a little while. With, didn't they offer one with two drives? 
it always felt to me like it was a handicapped machine because of they wanted it fit in this tiny little cube and they didn't want to lose sales on anything that sold for more margin dollars. So, yeah, I mean, whether you call it a mythical mid-range Mac or a headless iMac, uh, I would love a box that lets me put things into the box and connect things to the box and change what's in the box over time without replacing everything because mm-hmm. Apple always wants us to replace everything. Okay, now looking at the Z2 Mini, they talk about toolless access. We have this small case. Okay, it's eight and a half inches long, so it's a, you know, a little longer than a Mac Mini, and it weighs four pounds instead of two. Supposedly, you can open it up and replace everything. That'd be okay. great. I mean, and, and Apple used to be amazingly good at making toolless access cases. I mean, the, the cheese grater Mac. Flip a couple switches on the side, the whole side panel comes off. Uh, I can't remember which G4733 maybe. The the side panel like with the motherboard and everything just plopped down on the table for you to work on. It was awesome. Apple And no tools. Apple used to do all this very, very well. And then we came to this era of we are going to seal everything. We're going to get rid of all the ports. We're going to get rid of anything where anybody could possibly do anything with the machine other than turn it on and turn it off. As a hobbyist and, and a person who likes keeping, I'd love to keep these things for longer. But in order to do that, as technology moves forward, you need to be able to replace parts. If you're Apple, the way we replace parts is you buy a new machine, especially when it's attached to a 27-inch display. It seems like a really silly way to do things. Okay, the HP Z2 Mini it's eight and a half by eight and a half, two point two eight inches high. It weighs about four and a half pounds. Now understand, if we look at a Mac Mini, seven point seven inches. Okay, so it's less than an inch. Yep. Now the height is one point four inches, so it's about an inch slimmer. The weight is two point six pounds, being that therefore the HP is two pounds heavier. I am sure Apple knows how to handle this, and they could probably come up with something in the middle of the two. It doesn't matter. This is what pisses me off. I don't care. It's a desktop computer. I'm not lugging it around. If I want to carry a computer, I'm going to bring a laptop. It's sitting on a desk. What does it matter if it's eight and a half inches or seven and three quarters or 15? I mean, at a certain size, you put it under the desk. Sure. It's. I love Apple. I love Apple's products. I use them daily. My livelihood depends on them. But the fascination with thinness and smallness and lightness really gets to the point of stupidity at times and you know it, it's great that the the ipads keep having nine and a half hour battery lives as the screens get brighter and bigger and the cpus get faster and faster but if they didn't keep getting thinner and thinner we'd be having longer than a day battery life i don't know i think hp's machine i've never seen it i'm not looking at it right now but it sounds fine to me it's a desktop computer eight and a half inches seems fine i have a scanner sitting on my desk that's probably 10 inches wide um my two speakers sitting next to each other easily eight and a half inches wide so if it's designed to be used in an office in a non-mobile fashion, make it the size it needs to be to do the things it needs to do. And having ripped apart a couple of Mac Minis, they are a miracle of miniaturization, but my gosh, you never want to work inside of one. It, it's it's nuts in there. It's jam-packed. If you're trying to service one of these things, it would be really a frustrating existence. I would not want to be a technician who has to replace stuff on a Mac Mini on a regular basis. You know, a bigger chassis has all sorts of advantages. It's easier to get into. It's easier to work on. You can put bigger stuff in it you can put more stuff in it and what's you've lost uh, what square inch or two of desk space and who know maybe more that in, in space volume but uh, still not a whole lot of extra space and you've probably got the computer sitting on a shelf or something it's not like it i don't know if, if your desk is sized such the difference between 7.7 and 8.25 inches is a deal breaker you might want to look into a bigger desk 
What Apple could do here is probably reach a whole new class of users who aren't using Macs right now by developing a mini workstation for people who just don't want to spend for a 5K display, don't need it, have a display. Extend the possibilities of the Mac Mini and still have a Mac Pro for people who have to go all out. Yeah, it's. I don't disagree. There's. I think there are a whole lot of people who would buy a Mac if they didn't have to choose between an underpowered headless unit or a nicely powered unit with an attached, very expensive display that they may not need or want. Uh, I love my iMac. I'm, I'm, I have no idea what I'm going to do when it's time to replace it because it just seems seems so wrong to have to replace the screen uh, just to get a better CPU and a faster hard drive and hopefully a better graphics card. So, yeah, that's obviously what's going to happen either with a new Mac Pro or with a new iMac Pro or with a new headless Mac Mini Pro. Who knows? Um, I, I hope that the meeting that they held with the uh, press to explain the future of the Mac Pro is signs that they understand that there is a class of user that would probably spend more money with Apple if there had an ability to, I mean, you know, if Apple actually sold CPU upgrades, official ones, or uh, even, even video cards, uh, you know, it wouldn't be as nice as being able to buy them third party from whoever you wanted, but it'd be better than buying an entirely new computer when you want some new functionality. And then I'm sure Apple would be glad to take some of that revenue off of people's hands. <laughs> Didn't Apple sell CPU upgrades back in the early days before Steve Jobs came back when they had the Mac clones? You know, I, I have I know I had purchased a CPU upgrade at some point, but I believe mine was a third party. I don't know if Apple sold them. They very well may have, um, but I, I bought one from a third party. Uh, but I don't know if Apple ever sold them. But Apple has a history of selling useful accessories um, and things. You know, they sell RAID arrays. You can spend $12,000 on a hard drive that goes into your Mac on the Apple Store. Click buy. It's yours. Hey, we got to wrap it. Can you tell our <laughs> listeners if they want to know more about what you do, whether you have a site they can check out? Yeah, if you want to read about my fun with the Hackintosh Franken-Mac, you can read it robobservatory.com, R-O-B-S-E-R-V-A-T-O-R-Y.com. I write about it somewhat regularly. It's been quite the last couple of weeks, but I will have a couple more reports coming. And uh, I also do Mac tips and general life stories and whatever hits my mind as my fingers start typing. Rob Griffiths, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene. Pleasure as always. listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP hardened generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP hardened solar generator energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today. You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Not true. Actually, you are what you can absorb. So if the vitamins and supplements you now take are not being absorbed, what good are they? Introducing Protovite, proprietary liquid system that allows premium quality nutrients to positively affect the blood in an astonishing five minutes. Watch our amazing two-minute live blood cell video at TrueHealthFacts.com. That's TrueHealthFacts.com. Then call 502-410-3411. Protovite is nutrition you can feel. Protovite is nutrition that gets in. 
Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417. Hey, diabetics. Yeah, you. Got a spare hour to waste going to the pharmacy to get your insulin or other meds and supplies every month? I didn't think so. Me either. I've got life going on, which is why I use PillPack. PillPack is an amazing online pharmacy. They package up all my diabetic meds and testing supplies into daily doses and send it to me every month automatically. All I do is pay my normal copay. PillPack does the rest. I'm serious. This is a free service. They don't even charge for shipping. PillPack handles all the medical insurance stuff and even get with my doctors for my other prescriptions so I don't have to, which is good because that's the stuff I forget. But PillPack remembers everything. They even package up my daily vitamins so I remember to take them too. If you're diabetic, you're meds and supplies are life and death, which means you need pill pack. Call right now for this free service. You may even qualify for $25 in free vitamins. 800-560-7310. That's 800-560-7310. Again, 800-560-7310. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So, of course, as we advertised earlier in the show, we've got Kirk McElhern joining us. We were talking to his good friend and colleague, Rob Griffiths, before about his Frankenmac and what he's done with creating a gaming machine, something Apple doesn't offer. And that's the reason why he went into this project. Kirk McElhern has mentioned the fact that he's not happy with a lot of what Apple is doing. So let's go to the story again here, to repeat for some listeners who haven't checked it. What is there about Apple's product lineup that doesn't meet your needs? 
Well, in my case, I decided to make a Hackintosh. Rob likes the term Franken-Mac, but I think Hackintosh is better. Yeah, but you see, um, Franken-Mac, I can go Franken-Mac. I can roll the R's. Hackintosh has no R's. Well, you, you have to do Hackintosh then. Hackintosh, there. There you go. I, well, I'm Jewish. I can do that. That's yeah. right. We so can I, spit with the best of them. Yeah. So I decided to do this because I, I use a Mac Mini uh, as a media server. I have my video library uh, using the Plex app. Um, I also use the Mac Mini as a file server. I use the caching server function in, in macOS server. And I use it for time machine backups of my laptop. Now, this is a, a really good Mac that I bought back in 2011. So it's getting on five and a half years old. Fortunately, when I bought it, I tricked it out with the best processor. I put an SSD and a hard drive in it back when you could have both. And I put the maximum amount of RAM I could in after I bought it. This is back when you could change RAM in the Mac Mini. But a five-and-a-half-year-old computer, that's getting a little bit old, and especially it doesn't have USB 3. So my Plex library is on an external hard drive connected over USB, and what I've noticed is, is when I rip a Blu-ray and I want to stream it to something at home, it's not always smooth because of the, the amount of data in a Blu-ray. I don't have any problems for, for DVD rips or, or anything, you know, that's not really um, high definition. So I thought, well, Apple sells these computers and they range from $500 to $1,000. And the idea of buying the $500 model really isn't very useful because it's slow. It's got a, a hard drive as opposed to an SSD. It's only got four gigs of RAM. It's really a limited computer. And to do what I want, just to have something that's going to last and be robust, I'd end up spending $800 or $1,000. And a lot of people have been talking about making Hackintoshes in the past six months or so. So I figured, well, why not? I'll try it out. So my idea was to build a small computer to replace this Mac Mini to work as a media server, a file server, doing really simple tasks. I don't care about any kind of graphics, so I'm using onboard graphics, the graphics on the motherboard. I don't care about Wi-Fi, handoff continuity, iMessage, all things that you could do with a Hackintosh by buying an additional um, $60 PCI card, and, and I really just wanted a basic computer. So I've done that. I've built it. It runs. It works. I've pretty much finished the project with the exception of the, the final stage of really tweaking everything, installing extra software and things like that. It sounds to me that your project was a lot less daunting than Rob's. Well, yeah, as you say, Rob wanted to make a gaming machine, so he wanted a fast processor. He wanted a fast graphics card. And my project cost, I believe, 423 pounds. You put it into dollars, it, the equivalent prices for the same parts in dollars was less than $500. Rob's, I think, what did he say, $1,300, something like that? He um, said 1500 he, of which a third was the graphics card. Right. So his graphics card was really expensive, and, and his processor was really expensive. I had no illusions about trying to make a computer that would be my main computer. I mean, there's no way I would trust running my business to a home-built computer with no support. But if that media server has a problem, it's not the end of the world, and I can take the time to fix it, and I can fall back on my iMac, where I keep a mirror of my Plex library, to do the media serving. But much of this project was also because I wanted to see what it was like to build a computer. It's something I've never done. I, I've repaired computers, I've replaced parts in computers, but I've never built one from scratch. And, and that was an interesting lesson. Now, obviously your needs were more modest than Rob's, but maybe we can talk about the process here. Okay, so he explained the parts that he used. 
go through what you bought and where did you go? Did you go to some place that we can actually buy the parts from in the U.S. or did you find some place in the U.K. to do this? I bought everything on Amazon. You have absolutely no difficulty getting the parts that you need for a computer. And I, I think sometime next week, Macworld is going to publish two articles, one that I wrote and one that Rob wrote. Uh, at the same time, I'll be posting an article on my website with a detailed parts list. I can give you a brief description of it here. So there are basically six elements to build a computer like this. You have a motherboard, you have a processor, you have RAM, you have a startup disk. Um, in my case, I chose an SSD, but you could choose a hard drive. You need a power supply and you need a case. That's all you need. There are other things you can add. Um, in Rob's case, a video card, which I didn't need. He needed a CPU cooler, but mine came with one. Well, this is just basically a fan that goes on the CPU with a heat sink and thermal paste. I mentioned earlier that additional Wi-Fi card that does Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and can handle handoff and continuity. But basically, it was just these six elements um, that is all you need to make a computer. It's really not that complicated. Well, I have put things together. I've put things together myself. I used to build radio kits in the old days. I've built tuners and things like that. And that meant sitting there with a soldering gun. So just screwing oh, things no together. No soldering involved here. So this process, at least the assembling is fairly simple. Now, in choosing these parts, did you go to one of those sites that recommends components that will be most compatible with macOS? Yes, and I'm sure that Rob mentioned it in um, in your earlier segment. There, there's a guy named Tony Mac X86 who runs this website, and he has this whole list of um, recommended systems and you know, combining motherboards and processors and all that. But really what's interesting is that... There aren't that many variables. So I explained that there were six parts. Now, the case doesn't matter. I mean, any case is compatible. Um, the power supply doesn't matter that much as long as it delivers enough power. Um, your startup disk doesn't matter. The RAM doesn't matter because it's all the same. So the only things that you need to work on are a processor and a motherboard that work together and for which there are the necessary drivers. It's, there's not as many variables as I expected. Um, you, you mentioned before radios and soldering irons. Um, it's surprising how easy it is to put this computer together. Um, I think I used a Phillips head screwdriver. I'm trying to think if I needed any other tools to do this. I mean, really, there, there's very little. I did need a magnifying glass to see some of the smaller pins on the motherboard. Um, there are a lot of cables in the case that you have to connect to the motherboard um, for a power button, for USB ports on the front, for volume controls, all that sort of things, like six of them. And you've got to get them just exactly right. And they're tiny, tiny little pins. So I was doing this with my fingers and with a, uh, a magnifying glass to make sure that I got everything right. But it really was less complicated than I thought. Now, I did learn something um, in this process, and I did have to change one of the parts I bought. Uh, the first power supply I bought, it was certainly sufficient in terms of, of, of wattage. But the problem was that given the size of the case I used, there were too many cables for it to fit comfortably. Now, I didn't know that you could get a power supply where all the cables were connected and another one that's either called modular or semi-modular, where you only plug the cables you need into the power supply. Now, these are cables like you've got two that 
connect to the motherboard, one that powers the motherboard itself and one that powers the CPU. Then you have another cable that powers your hard drives and another that would power a video card and another for another PCI card, etc. But since I only needed one hard drive and the two motherboard cables, um, when I got this semi-modular power supply, there were fewer cables in the case and it was able to fit. So that that was an important lesson. And, and the other lesson I learned is I really shouldn't have bothered with such a small case. Now, obviously, it's nowhere near the size of the Mac Mini. It's perhaps 10 times the size of the Mac Mini, but it's still relatively small for a computer. Um, but if I had gotten a bigger case, say a mini tower, um, I would have had more room. It would have made things a lot easier. We've got more to come with Kirk McElhern about his efforts at a Hackintosh. There you go. I'm the Tech Night Out Live. For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. We use cell phones against our heads every day. But now, a landmark U.S. government study confirms increased health risks from exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The time to protect yourself is now. The solution is Defender Shield. Proudly made in the USA, Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation emitted from cell phones, tablets, and laptops. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. Use discount code DEFENDER for 10% off. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in EMF radiation protection. Lifetime Gray's 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. Be prepared for the next disaster with the Shelter Pod. The Shelter Pod is a large, all-season, heavy-duty, quick-deploy shelter. The Shelter Pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete Shelter Pod system at ShelterPod.com. The Shelter Pod at ShelterPod.com. Shelter when you need it most. 
Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. So you got the parts together, you used a list of approved parts or stuff that's been tested. Now, did you also have to follow the process that Rob did in terms of installing Mac OS? You stick it on a USB stick first? Yes, it, exactly the same process. So if he's disgusted, there's no point in going over it. Um, it was frustrating. I, I did it about a half a dozen times for various reasons. You, you have to figure out which drivers you need to install, and you do need to do some research to find exactly which ones you need, and it's not always obvious. And I ended up installing no drivers at all. Since I was using the onboard video, the base Mac OS installation worked fine without specific video drivers. I had some network problems, and so I had to do a reinstallation, and I installed just the basic network driver, not the one that was supposed to be a little bit better. And that's probably the most time-consuming part of the process was the installation, reformatting the USB stick, recopying everything, reinstalling and all that. But in the end, it worked out fine, and the computer runs there's very little to say about There's very little negative to say about it. I mean, again, I'm not able to use handoff and continuity. I haven't tried to use iMessage and I really don't want to. Um, but this is really not a computer that's doing a lot of work. So I'm more than happy to use it the way it is. Uh, I'm not using Wi-Fi. And this is one thing that with the motherboard I have, the Wi-Fi doesn't work. So I told you there was this additional card, but I don't care. I'm, I'm connecting it via Ethernet over a power line adapter. And that's fine for me. So basically, your requirements are minimalist. Probably as minimal as you can get for for building a Mac. And say minimalist five times fast, and you'll see how difficult that becomes. So what we're seeing here is almost like the early days of Windows, where you'd run into driver problems whenever trying to hook up a peripheral before they got things pretty much settled down. You know, you need it for the Wi-Fi. You need it, obviously, for Apple's messages for reasons that Rob explained. And you may need network adapters and USB and all this other stuff. 
the USB works fine without any drivers. Um, the networking works fine, but I think there are some cases where you might need um, drivers for specific types of networking. I think the biggest problems are the video card and any kind of PCI cards that you add to it. So in Rob's case, it was a video card, but a PCI card could also be for, let's say, Thunderbolt um, or, or anything like that. But Aside from that, the number of drivers needed is minimal because, remember, you can connect all sorts of peripherals via USB, and generally they don't need drivers at all. I mean, there are very few USB peripherals that need drivers on a Mac. I haven't tried printing yet. I have a Wi-Fi printer. It's a network printer, so I don't have to be on Wi-Fi. The printer's on Wi-Fi. I can't think of anything that I would need that would add any more complication. Again, as I said, I don't need Thunderbolt. There are people who would want to build a computer with Thunderbolt, and you're adding a, a layer of problems with, with things like that. But the difference here isn't about adding peripherals and drivers. It's simply to just get the basics to run. There aren't that many options. It, it's your motherboard, your processor, and your video card, if you use a video card. Let's look again at the specs of the box you built. How much does it differ from the latest Mac Mini, the 2014? You know, it's it's very hard to figure that out. If we look at the current um, specs for the Mac Mini, um, Apple offers three processor options, a 1.4 gigahertz dual core Intel Core i5, a 2.6 gigahertz, and a 2.8 gigahertz, all Intel Core i5. Now, I bought a Core i3 dual core processor, I think it is. Apple's processors are several years old, and mine isn't as old. The fact that it's i3 and not i5 doesn't make that much of a difference. I think mine is 3.7 gigahertz, and the fastest on Apple is 2.8. But again, the i5 is probably a little faster than the i3, but I'd have to really do some research to, to get benchmarks to compare the processors just as processors. Now, um, what's the difference in price? Did you price well, out the processors? For buying the components or for buying the Mac Mini? For buying the components. I mean, you're um, looking at this i3, which is, I guess, the most powerful i3, compared to a lower mid-range i5. Well, my my core i3, the U.S. price is $109. Um, there's an i5 that's $188. Um, there were other i3 processors that are slightly different prices. There's another i5 that's $186, another one's $199. Um, I'm not really sure how Intel does this. So one of the i5s is the i5-6400, another is the 6500, another is the 7500. It's, it's really confusing. I mean, if you look at the matrix of processors on Intel's website, it's incredibly confusing. Mine was at, really at the low end, um, going for 109. In fact, it's $112 today on Amazon. Um, it's at the lower end of what Intel offers. But again, the computer that I'm building um, doesn't need a fast processor. Now, I'm curious about this, too. Does Apple even offer an i3 on a Mac? I don't think I so. I don't think so. But that doesn't mean that the i3 is inferior, because remember, mine is 3.7 gigahertz, and Apple's i5 only goes up to 2.8. Yes, entry I'm level saying, though, about compatibility, how you get it to work with Mac OS. It's still compatible, and therefore raises a bigger question here which I don't know if anyone's tested yet. Are AMD processors, supposedly x86 compatible, are they usable on a Hackintosh? Yeah, that, that's something that I don't know about. 
all of the i'm pretty sure everything that i saw was talking about intel processors um I'm really not sure about AMD. Um, I, I do know that there, there's a long list of Intel processors that are listed as compatible. Um, in that case, it's really clear that it's safe um, to choose an Intel processor. I just looked at an, an i7. Um, it's $329, um, and that's 4.2 gigahertz. So, uh, you know, mine at just over $100, whereas you can go up to over $300. Um, that's uh, that's not even the most expensive part of the computer. As Rob explained to you, the video card was the most expensive. What about Intel integrated graphics? Well, that's what I'm using on mine. Um, mine has HDMI and DVI-A, and I actually bought a, a display because I didn't have any. Um, and the DVI-A works fine. I haven't used the HDMI yet. Okay. Because that's what you'd find on a Mac Mini anyway. Now... If well, Apple, even even on well, even on a a, a twenty one inch iMac you'd get that and and I think even the base model of the twenty seven inch iMac is Intel graphics you know mo- graphics on the motherboard not a separate graphics card. Well, Intel integrated graphics have become better, so that's not the kiss of death. I guess if you want to do some decent gaming, it is. But then, what do you do? Well, for gaming, it is. But mine says that it can handle four K video at sixty frames per second. And I believe on two displays. So it's true that gaming, you might want more than 60 frames per second. But anything else, um, if you're doing, uh, you know, using a display to just do work or or even connecting it to a TV, then you won't have any problems. As I said, it's gotten a lot better. So there is a particular point. So what does Apple have to do to make a Mac Mini that would replace what you just built? Um... Well, or just come uh, the, up with an updated one. I, I think an updated one would be fine because the, the Mac Mini form factor is extraordinary. I mean, it really is small. And it, it, building a computer makes you respect – building a computer makes you respect just how extraordinary the design of the Mac Mini is, the internal design. Um, and, and I mentioned earlier about the power supply, you know, with all those cables. Obviously – Apple's power supply is much smaller, and the cables are exactly the length they need to get from one point to another. And they've chosen very thin cables, and, you know, they've optimized everything inside it. I think the big problem with the Mac Mini is it's way overpriced. It's more than two years since an upgrade. Um, The starting model at $500 is just too expensive for what it contains. I think Apple, wouldn't it be great if Apple could sell a cheap Mac Mini for $300, even $400, something like that? The the top of the line Mac Mini at $1,000 is really, $1,000 is a lot for a computer like that. Um, I, I don't think anyone buys the Mac Mini anymore to use it as their main computer. I did in 2011, and I used it for a couple of years with a Thunderbolt display. It was my desktop computer. But I don't think people do that anymore. I think they're more likely to buy a laptop in that case. Um, I do know that among audiophiles, the Mac Mini is widely recommended as the computer to make a home audio system. So to set up to stream your files or to let different apps access your files, um, it's the ideal device because it's small and it's quiet and it doesn't use a lot of power. Let's continue this. Okay. We've got more to come with Kirk McElhern talking about the Hackintosh and the things that Apple needs to do.
to update its hardware. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the healthy body, brain, and heart pack to the healthy libido pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, who has become Dr. Frankenstein and assembled his own do-it-yourself Mac to basically replace his aging Mac Mini because Apple isn't meeting that demand. Now, when you look at the reporter roundtable with Apple executives in April, I think there's one paragraph where they talk about Mac Mini. And they seem to like the Mac Mini. And they mention there are some pro users for it. Now, I don't think that Phil Schiller says anything utters a single sentence without it having a meaning. So is there the possibility here that the next Mac Mini will have better upgrade possibilities? I can't see the Mac Mini being upgradable because it's so small. Well, you can change memory on it very easily. The old one, this one, they just simply locked it off. But it's the same style case. They just closed off that possibility. But... There should be a way to just pop the entire cover on the bottom 
and replace everything like HP does with the Z2 Mini. Oh, you mean just have them come in and, and t- take it to an Apple store and have them pull the guts out and, and upgrade it? I can't see Apple doing that. That's- make it possible for users to do this. Make this into some kind oh. of mini workstation. You know, start from the entry level like it is now. At least it's not going to be possibly as upgradable or easy to upgrade as the HP box. What Apple could possibly do here is offer more customizing, offer more options for you to order it with the things you well, want. Here's the problem. If they keep the current form factor, it should it will not be upgradable. It shouldn't be. I, I replaced a hard drive um, on a previous model Mac Mini many, many years ago. And you can't imagine. It's like it's like fixing a watch i mean things are tiny you don't want users to open that right um, I, granted, the rim, kirk granted but apple could still offer pre-built configurations a larger customized yeah, list okay what what i would rather see is a mini tower that is flexible that can be opened where you can pull out the drives and change the drives maybe add a video card or another pci card something like that how um, big does I think it the, have to be because take a look at the hp the HP is about an inch larger, an inch, I think an inch taller. It also weighs a couple of pounds more. It's, you know, maybe, what, 20% larger than a Mac Mini. And you can take the cover off and replace everything on it. So how big does Apple need to make its mythical mid-range Mac Mini Tower? I'm thinking the size of like a bookshelf speaker, like a mini tower, not... Not something that looks like the Mac Mini or that HP computer. Take take the the cheese grater Mac Pro and cut that in four, perhaps. So you've got a computer with room, with space, with air inside it. Um, put in four disk bays because I know a lot of people would like to build a computer like that just for file storage at home. Um, don't be so worried about making it as compact as the Mac Mini. And and frankly, that's the that could even be the Mac Pro. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Offering that sort of computer with upgradability and with space inside could be the new Mac Pro. Most Pro users don't care that it looks cool like the, the current round Mac Pro. Yeah, but you know Apple is not going to make a computer that doesn't look cool. I'm just saying is what direction does Apple take the Mac Mini? I mean, they admit... Uh, that they like it. If they're making a statement there, showing I think they, they like the product, it. that means you're going to keep it. So do you just do what you do now, which is to refresh it with a few newer parts, or do you do more things with it? I think they should refresh it at a, a nicer price because it's overpriced. I mean, you, you pay 200 bucks to add... If you buy the the mid-range model, right, it comes with a 2.6 gigahertz processor and 8 gigs of RAM. They charge you 200 bucks to add another 8 gigs of RAM. My 8 gigs of RAM cost 50 bucks. You know, it's just obscene that they do things like that. That they give you a, a slow 5400 RPM, one terabyte drive. They charge 200 bucks for um, a 256 gigabyte SSD. You can get that at Amazon for less than $100. They're just gouging people on the upgrades on these. I mean, the base price is already expensive, but if you want to upgrade it, uh, I mean, if you take the $1,000 model, right? Let's go through this. So go for a faster processor. Go for 16 gigs of RAM instead of 8. Well, it comes with an SSD. So let's go up to 512 um, gigabyte SSD. It's $1,600, and that's not even with a mouse and keyboard. I upgrade the top-line model, and I made a 3 gigahertz dual-core Intel Core i7. Why not quad-core? 
They stopped offering quad core. 16 gigabytes of RAM, one terabyte solid state drive, no mouse, no keyboard, $1,999. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, think about it. And as you say, it's only a, a dual core processor because this is a processor from a few years ago. In other words, they haven't updated the processors in the Mac Mini since this version, since this model was released. But they had um, quad core versions of that processor. They opted not to use them. Well, it could be a heat issue. The fan inside the Mac Mini is very small. There's not a lot of room for air to come out. The air comes in the bottom and it goes out the back. Um, and it is a very compact computer. So it's possible that the quad core just heat too much. I don't know. The previous model had a quad core. You see? But it was a much slower processor. Well, it might be that. It might be that Apple has to redesign the cooling system. I'm sure Apple is smart enough to figure this out. I also wonder, again, if they made the Mac Mini a little less mini, slightly larger, would that open it up to more possibilities to make it a more powerful computer if people want it? Well, if part of the problem is the heat from the processor, then that would make a difference. The the question is whether... See, I'm not convinced, as I said earlier, I don't think people who need a, a, a basic computer are buying the Mac Mini anymore. I think they're buying laptops. So so I think Apple does know their market here. People use this as servers more than anything else. They use it as a second computer. Um, I, I, you, you could certainly use it as your main computer, but given the price of the Mac Mini to get something decent plus the price of an external monitor, you've, you're already at the price of an iMac. So there's really little reason to choose a Mac Mini for, for that sort of computing. Well, I don't think Apple's going to discontinue it based on what they said. Question is, where do they go? I do not see a mid-range model, something, a desktop without a display that sits between the Mac Mini and the Mac Pro. This is the one that Dan Frakes and I separately came up with the idea back, what, eight, ten years ago. Yeah, the mini tower. A lot right, of it's not going to happen. That. I mean, it's a good possibility, but I think if Apple goes to the Mac Pro in its upgrade, that's what's going to end up being. It's going to be configured like that. It's going to be like the, the mythical mini tower. It's going to be a more compact computer with more extreme expansion possibilities in sight. It'll be somewhere between what there is now and the cheese grater, because the cheese grater they'll never go back to. It's big and ugly, and Apple doesn't want to do that anymore. It's got to be pretty. Yeah, but as we've seen, there, there isn't the... There are a lot of people who do want a powerful computer, but they don't care how it looks. Um, and so there is really a problem of them getting what people really want. And, and a lot of us have been saying recently and talking about this, that they just need an upgradable computer, maybe a smaller cheese grater. And I said that earlier, and, and I don't think the pros who want a fast computer would be that worried that it doesn't look really cool. Um, they just want a computer that works. Yes, but you know, Apple is not going to handle it that way. Apple Look, is still the going to... The cheese grater to, wasn't that cool looking, and they were fine with it for years. Right, but I don't think... You see, if Apple wanted to bring back the cheese grater Mac, okay, here's the Mac Pro that you love, and they show the same thing. I agree if they just demonstrate that computer, there'd be a round of applause. But they could do that tomorrow. 
They don't need to take another year or so to make that computer. They, could, they, they already have the design. All they have to do is refine the internals for more modern componentry. We got more to come with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Aging is one thing that affects everyone. George has talked about the power of stem cells for years. Now there's a new serum that harnesses that stem cell power to bring back your youthful look. Beverly Hills doctor, Nathan Newman. Stem cells are basically our fountain of youth. This is what maintains our body's reparative regenerative abilities. As we age, every cell breaks down and needs to be replaced, and what replaces it is the stem cell. Dr. Newman and Janess have developed Luminess. Luminous Luminess takes the science of stem cells using the same growth factor complex that literally heals our cells, slowing the appearance of the aging process. Apply Luminess twice daily and on average see results in a week. Learn more, watch our video, and order today at a special Coast website, healthylooking.com. Plus, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that's healthylooking.com. Luminous for a healthier, much younger, better-looking you. Buy now at healthylooking.com. 
you know what's lurking in your water? More than 200 contaminants could be sitting there just waiting for your glass. With a ProPure water filter, start enjoying clean and great tasting water today. ProPure filters, independently tested, latest water filter technology. ProPure systems do not require electricity and are easy to set up and easy to use. To find out more, visit your authorized ProPure dealer or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Again, the best way to support the Tech Night Owl Live is to become a subscriber to Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus, P-L-U-S dot com, plus dot com. Check out the easy sign-up instructions and enjoy a commercial-free version of this show, Tech Night Owl Plus. So, Kirk, you see my point here? They could release a 2018 Mac Pro tomorrow and people would applaud him. They move. They show that off at WWDC. The next Mac Pro. Here it is, the same computer with new parts. They could do that tomorrow. So what are they taking a year to do? Well, the, the real problem was that the Mac Pro, they designed it because it was cool. They didn't design it because it was usable. And that led to all these problems that we discussed about they couldn't update it because the video cards were too hot and, and they couldn't ventilate it as much as they needed to. They can certainly design something that looks very good without being a revolutionary form factor. They designed themselves into a hole. They gave Johnny Ive carte blanche to make what he wanted, and he made a computer that that essentially had no future. So they can just go back to making a computer that actually is a sort of a box, you know, rectangular. It can be made out of shiny black metal if they want, so it looks different. But the problem is that if they're too focused on making something that looks cool, it's just not going to be usable. Again, I just wonder what they're doing. They have to know, though, what professional users want, because didn't Phil Schiller say they had talked to professional users to get their insights? I don't know what he said. He said it's going to take them a year to come up with something, which meant that they hadn't been thinking about coming up with something, which meant that even though they knew that the Mac Pro was a failure, they hadn't acted on it until it just sort of hit a critical mass of people writing negative things about it. I find it hard to trust their understanding of their user base outside of the iPhone. They know what people want in the iPhone more or less, and I, and I don't think they're 100% right about it because we know that they got it wrong by getting rid of the smaller iPhone and they had to come back with the iPhone SE. But as far as pros and desktop Macs, I don't think they understand what people are doing. And, and I think a lot of it is because Apple's high top-level executives probably don't use the Mac that much. I, I didn't. Tim Cook once say he does almost always work on an iPad? I agree, sure. You see, that is also so short-sighted. Maybe he doesn't use it, but other people are using it. And I'm, I'm sure how could you ignore management. a market this size, especially when your entire developer community depends on it? 
Well, exactly. And that's one of the most surprising things, because if you want to develop for the iPhone, you still need a Mac. And developers want the fastest Mac possible because they can compile their apps more quickly and save a lot of time. When you're compiling over and over again, because you fix something, you recompile, you test, you fix, you recompile, you test. Um, if it takes five minutes instead of three minutes, and you do that 20 times a day, that's an awful lot of time that you save. Well, I don't know what planet they were living on, but they were asleep at the wheel. Or maybe indecision was the problem. What should we do? And they couldn't come up with a consensus. You see, with Steve Jobs there, we can say, what would Steve Jobs do? He would make a decision. Tim Cook sounds like a person who will make the decision but expects input from his lieutenants. And maybe they couldn't figure out what the long-term Mac strategy should be. I think the problem is more that they gave Johnny Ive carte blanche to make what he wanted. And as I said earlier, he designed himself into a hole, into a corner. There was no way out once he did that. And the problem is that Ive is a designer. He shouldn't be the one who's determining what products they're selling. And that's what happened with the Mac Pro that he said, oh, I want to make this cool computer probably. And then that cool computer just wasn't as usable as one might have thought. You know, he's, he's had a lot of successes re lately, like a gold Apple Watch at up to $17,000 that really sold well. You know, his design is no longer the be-all and end-all of computer design. It's interesting about the Apple Watch that it's being perceived as a failure, but other watch companies are suffering in the face of the Apple Watch, I've seen more and more people in my travels with an Apple Watch, which surprises me. Even people you don't think could afford one. So it seems more popular than you expect. And even Fitbit, their sales are down. So Apple, you know, is really doing something here. What do they say? Tim Cook said that the sales of the Apple Watch more than doubled in six out of 10 big markets, things like that. So there is an audience for this thing out there. It's not a failure. It needs a lot of work, but hmm. Well, I don't think we can call it a success or a failure until it's been around for a few years because we don't know how many people buy the Apple Watch and then put it in a drawer. Uh, I think there was some studies a couple years ago that showed that more than 50% of people who buy um, fitness trackers don't use them after six months. And and I wonder whether it's similar for the Apple Watch, that people buy it because it's cool, um, but then they realize that it's not very useful. Possibly, possibly. You know, there's a point you have there. There's a point you have there. I don't know. I think it's the kind of product, as we've said before many thousands of times, people like, they don't love it. If they're used to working with it, fine. But there are things here that we're learning about the Apple Watch, like they could use it to check heartbeats that are, what, 97% accurate with certain types of software? They could use it for yeah, monitoring people that, for atrial defibrillation. Yes. That's if the heartbeat monitor is on all the time. Um, which is not the case for most people. Um, I, I haven't looked into it, but it's obvious that it can detect incorrect heart rhythm. But it's not, this doesn't make it a, a medical device in, in the sense that it would, it would have to be more than 90%, 97% of the time for it to be FDA approved. Remember, sure, but what problems, it can do, though, is tell a person, you've got a problem, have the doctor check it. Yes, by all means. That's but, all it needs to be. It needs yeah, to be um, just a casual system that warns you 
that there might be a problem. Obviously, you're not doing your own open heart surgery or something, but you could at least then say, I'm getting this reading and maybe it records a record in HealthKit or something. And then the doctor looks at that and says, hmm, let's do some tests. That's where it becomes valuable. Yeah, except that the heart rate monitor on the Apple Watch is notoriously unreliable. A lot of people report that it jumps up and down. Um, I know that when I was using mine, I'd sometimes it would sometimes have a reading at 40 beats per minute and then at 150, um, which really didn't correspond to reality. Um, and this was even when I was had it set in workout mode when I was walking, you know, brisk walk. So my heart rate was up over 100. Um, a lot of people reporting this because one of the problems with anything like that is it works for a majority of people, but there are other people for whom it doesn't work because of your skin color, the thickness of your skin, or whatever it is. I think what's more interesting is that they've been talking about using it as a glucose monitor. Now, I happen to know someone who has type 1 diabetes, so he has to constantly do these prick tests um, to check his blood sugar during the day. I think about six months ago, he started using a type of a thing that puts that he puts on his arm. It's a little metal disc that works with, I guess it's Bluetooth, and he's got a... I don't know if it works with his phone or a standalone device, but it transfers the data regularly. Let's continue that with Kirk McElhern. Okay. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA Pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Hi there, I'm Bob Eubanks. You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust, the Tax Defense Group. They're the most trusted name in tax. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. Ignoring the IRS is not the solution. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, seize your home or business. But the Tax Defense Group could put a stop to all of that and tailor a program that would reduce your tax debt to pennies on the dollar. you got to love that. So don't just take my word for it. Call them. Find out for yourself. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either. Call now for your free and confidential tax analysis from the most trusted name in tax. Call 800-361-6907. 800-361-6907. 
Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. Hey, diabetics, yeah, you. Got a spare hour to waste going to the pharmacy to get your insulin or other meds and supplies every month? I didn't think so. Me either. I've got life going on, which is why I use PillPack. PillPack is an amazing online pharmacy. They package up all my diabetic meds and testing supplies into daily doses and send it to me every month automatically. All I do is pay my normal copay. PillPack does the rest. I'm serious. This is a free service. They don't even charge for shipping. PillPack handles all the medical insurance stuff and even get with my doctors for my other prescriptions so I don't have to, which is good because that's the stuff I forget. But Pill Pack remembers everything. They even package up my daily vitamins so I remember to take them too. If you're diabetic, your meds and supplies are life and death, which means you need Pill Pack. Call right now for this free service. You may even qualify for $25 in free vitamins. 800-560-7310. That's 800-560-7310. Again, 800-560-7310. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So we're focusing here now on health and fitness tracking and Apple Watch and stuff. And you're talking about this glucose monitoring system that this person is using. Go on, please. Yeah, so it's a metal disc that does live glucose monitoring. It might do it like every 15 minutes because you don't need to do this um, continuously. And it transfers data, and this way he can have a record during the day. Um, It's not considered to be as accurate as a prick test. Uh, and, And in particular here, he explained to me that if he is driving, he needs to do a prick test before he drives to make sure his blood sugar is in the right range and that they don't yet allow that arm thing to provide the number for him to be driving. So he still has to do the blood test for certain things. But he says it's surprisingly accurate. He's compared it to the prick test around the same time. And it saves him a lot of time that throughout the day he can keep an eye on his blood sugar without having to do the prick test all the time. Now, now, that would be revolutionary for, for people, the minority of diabetics with type 1 diabetes, because type 1 and type 2 are very different. Most people have type 2. It would be a truly revolutionary thing if these people could go without doing prick tests. But again, in some cases, they would still have to do the prick tests. But at least here, it helps. And I think the value of these devices is not that they replace precise medical instrumentation, though eventually they might. The point here is if they can be mostly accurate, 
at least give you something to monitor, something to check, something to warn you. I can see well, a lot of value of that. Obviously, with the Apple Watch, Apple needs to do more to make its instrumentation precise. Now, the Apple Watch you have is a first generation, right? Oh, no, I have a second generation. Oh, you do? You have a, a Series 2. Okay. I, I gave the first to my son when I bought the second generation. Ah, there we go. The second generation of Apple Watch users, the hand-me-down users. Yep, and he doesn't. I don't think he uses it. And I told him, you know, if you're not going to use it, sell it on eBay. Well, um, I can send it to me. I'll test it. Yeah, that would be a bit complicated sending it overseas because he's in France. What, what he doesn't like about it is that, A, it's ugly, and B, that it's incredibly thick. And I understand him. He's, his style is not that. He has a Garmin GPS watch that he used when he runs and that he's had for many years. Now, I think it's entirely possible that if at some point the Garmin dies, then he might adopt the Apple Watch. But, oh, of course, there's another problem. He doesn't take his iPhone with him when he runs. And the first generation Apple Watch doesn't have GPS, so he would need to take his iPhone. So he's very difficult about things like this. Sounds like my son. He can be a little stubborn, yeah. too. These yeah, kids yeah. are stubborn. We have to stop this. Yep. Got to stop kids from being but stubborn. As far as health-related stuff has continued, there's not that much the Apple Watch can do. It can do heart rate monitoring. It can do glucose. But there aren't many other things it can measure. And, and there aren't many things you need to measure in real time. You're not going to be doing blood tests for anything other than glucose. Um, you're not going to be – you can't – do blood pressure with a watch uh, because blood pressure needs something that compresses the arteries enough that no blood goes through the artery. That's why you have those cuffs that inflate. Um, and, you know, it's really funny. There was this rumor that went around a year or two ago that Apple's earbuds were going to be able to test for blood pressure. And, and I really just laughed at the gullibility of anyone who passed them on because it's really not hard to realize that you simply can't measure blood pressure in the ears, period. Well, of course, you see, when you present fake news, you don't have to have credibility. Yeah, but all these tech websites that just repeated this, instead of thinking, gee, how do you test blood pressure? But there, there are very few health-related things that the Apple Watch can do. It can record movement, it can record information and, and heart rate and things like that. But there's very little that it can actually do that would be useful for health. It's the health platform that's useful in terms of the fact that it, it, it stores a lot of records. I, I would actually see Apple releasing things like um, a standalone blood pressure monitor, scale, a thermometer, all those sorts of things that, wh whose data would then go into the health data. But the, the watch itself is really only one aspect of a broader health platform that they might uh, do something with. So let's think about what sort of health platform Apple could build, because it does look like they're going in that direction. Um, health platforms are about two things, measuring data and storing data. Um, measuring data is, you know, measuring a heart rate, measuring your weight, blood pressure, things like that. And storing data is keeping records to see how these things change over time. Um, and, and I would definitely see Apple as going into that sector, but... The question is, what would they do? Um, how would they build this sort of platform? Obviously, this is something that the other companies out there aren't providing to this level. You know, we, we look at Google. What are they doing about health and fitness? What is Microsoft doing about health and fitness? I think one of the biggest problems here is that this is extremely sensitive personal data. Um, and I'm not really sure that a lot of people would trust Google 
um, with data like that, knowing what Google does with the data they own. Apple has proven to be more reliable and more privacy conscious, and that does give them a, a massive advantage over um, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, other companies, as far as that concerned. Um, it We have to think that Apple's whole health strategy is something that they've thought out over the long term that they knew it would take a long time because you've got things such as devices that need to be FDA approved and all of these privacy issues. And this is the sort of thing that uh, I'm sure Apple has got a long-term plan on this. It's not a short-term plan like we need to sell iPhones next year. You see, that's the difference between Apple and all these other places. The problem arises when you have so-called industry analysts who take the approach of what has Apple done for me lately? So if Apple doesn't do something this quarter or the next quarter, Apple is assumed to be some kind of big failure, even though that's not the way they operate. But if they understood how Apple operated, maybe half their criticisms wouldn't be made. Hmm. They want to sell ads. At least Google does. Well, Google does, yeah. And Amazon wants to sell things. Um but I, I think that the I think that Apple is looking at this as a, a project. You know, we, we criticize Apple for a lot of things, but there is still this idea in Apple of of doing good for certain things. And and I think that the health side of Apple is looking in that direction, just like the environmental side of Apple um, is looking in that direction. And, and I would see the health stuff as dating back to Steve Jobs, in particular, when he had his health crises before he passed. Um, I can see that at that time, he was probably thinking, well, hey, look at all this health data, health information, health records and all, maybe we can do something about recording this and, and managing this and making it possible um, to give value to this data that is just sort of raw data. Well, the thing that impresses me is that Apple seems to be making a real, real, genuine effort to do something in this space. And it's not something with big dollar signs around it because they're making money from the hardware. And adding to these capabilities helps that. Of course, if they sell you services too, it doesn't hurt. Well, they can sell services, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Apple of tomorrow is also selling services on the back end. So in this case, to hospitals and, and insurance companies and medical providers. Um, why not to um, countries that have national healthcare systems, as most advanced countries do? Um, why not offer um, tools to these countries to act as a gateway to 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 to, to collect and, and manage this sort of data. Um, it's it's like the mythical Apple car. I'm convinced that Apple absolutely does not care about building a car, but that they're building a platform, um, a driving platform, not just entertainment, but you know all of the software needed to make self-driving cars to manage them, um, to manage your calls in the cars and maps and and all that sort of stuff. We've got more to come with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. You are listening to GCN. 
Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA Pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Are you drowning in debt? Are you struggling to make minimum payments? If this sounds like you, know that it's not your fault. Credit card debt happens to good people. We've helped thousands of good people just like you become debt-free with our Debt Reset Program. Our Debt Reset Program is customized to get you debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months with one low monthly payment. You don't pay a dime until we succeed. Call now to see how we can work for you. 800-912-6177. That's 800-912-6177. Again, 800-912-6177. Have you ever thought you'd like to flip houses but didn't know how or where to get the money? Are you ready to be your own boss so you can start living the good life? Hi, I'm Preston Neely. I used to be so broke. I had my electricity turned off nine times, but I figured out a way to quit my job and find financial freedom in real estate. For a limited time, I want to send you a free copy of my smash hit selling book, How to Get Rich in Real Estate. It shows you how to copy exactly what I did so you can make money from the comfort of your own home without even doing any manual labor. I've already given away 5,000 books and they're going fast. To get one before they're gone, call 1-800-958-6936. Listen, if you're sick and tired of stressing about money, this book could change your life. It's short, fun to read, easy to understand, and awesome. To find out how to get your free book while supplies last, call 1-800-958-6936. Call 1-800-958-6936. 1-800-958-6936. 
Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So segueing very quickly to Apple Car and what Apple's up to. Now, we know here Apple apparently is testing some rejiggered Lexus crossovers for testing of self-driving capabilities in California. We know other companies are doing things. Uber, very controversial ride-sharing company, has been testing self-driving. In fact, I was driving along Apache Boulevard in Tempe, Arizona, And what to my eyes, what to my wandering eyes do I see? Right next to me is an Uber self-driving vehicle. I gave it a wide berth, by the way. I wouldn't be entirely comfortable with that today. Um, I think we're still in the very, very, very early days. Now, I gather he was at Google's been testing self-driving since, what, 2009? It's been quite a while, yeah, but it hasn't been relatively limited. Well, it's one of those things here where the major car companies are doing it anyway. We know that. Uber will do it to put all the drivers out of business. So when you want to take a ride and you call Uber, you can have the Johnny Cab, which is a self-driving version, or you can have the one with the live human driver. And what they'll do, of course, is offer you the self-driving for less money and put the human driver out of business because it's a ruthless company. Google, I don't know what they expect to do. License the technology and use the ad revenue from the targeted ads you see in your car's infotainment system to cover the cost? How do they monetize it? I can see Apple monetizing it by licensing this technology and a hardware platform to different car makers. Sure, and and I can see Google doing that too because we're not going to have one technology. We're going to have several competing technologies and, and each car manufacturer is going to choose the one that they want. I can agree with that too. And then, you know, it's kind of like now you buy a car and you can get CarPlay or Android Auto. Or nothing at all. Or nothing at all. My Toyota um, has, I don't even know what it's called. Toyota puts their name on it, but it's some third-party thing. It's a Toyota whiz-bang thing. No, it's it's an actual thing. I know it is. I know it is. But I don't know what it's called. Right. But more and more cars offer that because it doesn't cost them anything. Once they have the enabling hardware, the rest is controlled by the platform. Yeah, okay. What what, what am I saying about that? Nothing. Okay. But in any case, I expect to see something by 2020 or 22 or something like that. And we'll see real self-driving. Tesla already is kind of partway there or fairway there, if you can believe or trust Tesla. Yeah, I don't know how much we can really believe. Every time there's a problem, 
they come out and blame it on the user. Now, you can't do that in a car when people get into accidents and get hurt or get killed. You can't blame it on the user. If this is not idiot-proof, it's not good. This is a car. This isn't a computer where your computer crashes. Exactly. Here, you expect it to be better. But then you also have to be able to consider the fact that despite all the things they do to protect you, the driver of the other vehicle may still be at fault and cause havoc. Yep. No matter how good a driver you are, no matter... If you never use your phone in the car, if you don't drink when you drive, you're still dependent on the people coming in the other lane. Exactly. And, and that's one of the problems with self-driving is it's going to take a while for everyone to be comfortable when other cars are self-driving and when the car next to you that's passing you is self-driving and the car coming the other way and you're going to likely be uncomfortable. I mean, I, I see this as coming down the line. Um, the question is when? Are we five years away, 20 years away? I, I think it's inevitable, but I, I think you know, it has to be done right. There's too much risk of people getting injured or killed from this. Exactly. Well, I think they'll have standards. They'll be reasonable. We'll figure out a way to make it happen and a way to account for the liabilities. I just hope, of course, that the government doesn't screw it up by simply accepting the we're talking about different governments here. We're talking about the EU. We're talking about the U.S. and other countries. We're talking about UK, if they split from the EU, they'll come up with regulations that make sense, not based on who bribes them. Yeah, and we're talking about national governments choosing one option over another because they are home to a certain automaker. Yeah, we can't have that either. It's unavoidable. And interestingly, the companies that seem to be doing working on the software are all American. So that's a pretty clear issue. But the companies who are going to be making the cars, these things go in, come from a variety of different countries. And that always leaves open these options for political choices based on keeping jobs in a particular country and, you know, getting exports from one country to another because uh, your car is better. And so people in other countries are going to buy it. Also here, I kind of think the EU is going to be more concerned about safety than a lot of other countries, the way the political winds are blowing. Am I wrong? mm, They tend to be, and in part because pretty much anything that's technological these days, other than actual hardware, anything that's software-related comes from the United States. So it's not from the EU, and they are a little bit more worried. And then also the privacy rules and safety rules here are much more stringent than in the States. Well, whatever it is, obviously they're going to have to have a standard that works around the world. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was just in a Facebook discussion earlier, people talking about leaving the EU, and they don't realize that things like um, ISO standards, the International Standards Organization, are supra-EU, supra-any country, that this is a, a standards organization that makes rules and, well, what we call standards for, for engineering, for parts, for things like that, and that this has nothing to do with a specific country, because basically all the countries are involved in, in establishing these standards and everyone agrees to respect them. So a lot of these things that are mechanical don't depend on individual governments. They depend on a very long process of negotiation among people who build things and create things. We have all these different levels that are involved from the national governments to supranational governments like the EU to standards organizations um, to the World Trade Organization. All these things come into play at different levels, and, and they're all very complex. 
Just to go back to the health, though, you know, in, in the United States, and it's different in the States than it is in other countries, um, healthcare is one-sixth of the economy. And it's hard to imagine that Apple doesn't want to get a share of that money. For that alone, I can see that Apple is looking at health. The car industry, I believe it's a few trillion dollars around the world. It's hard to imagine that Apple doesn't want to get part of that as well. Apple's got a lot of money, and they can go toward where the money is. So it's worth thinking that that's what they're going to be looking for. They've talked about health many times. They've made it clear that this is important to them. And and I think in the next few years, it'll be a major area for Apple. So I won't be driving an Apple car or be driven by an Apple car, but maybe I'll drive or be driven by a car powered by Apple. Kirk McElhern, please tell our listeners where we can find more of the things that you do. You can visit my website, Kirkville. It's at kirkville.com, where I write about Macs and music and much more. And you can find me on Macworld, where I am the iTunes guy. And you can listen to my music podcast. It's called The Next Track. Um, It's thenexttrack.com, where we talk about how people listen to music today. You can find us on Twitter. Look for Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. Look for Gene Steinberg on Facebook, the guy with the red plaid shirt. He's still around. I don't know for how much longer, but he's still around. We have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called The Paracast at Paracast.com. This week we feature the author of over 40 books on the paranormal, Nick Redfern from the UK, by the way. I think he's from near Liverpool, as a matter of fact. And he wrote a book called The Roswell UFO Conspiracy. It's not about spaceships. Okay, on the Paracast at Paracast.com. Don't forget, the best way to support the Tech Night Owl Live is to become a member of Tech Night Owl Plus at plus.technightowl.com. We offer you a commercial-free version of this show, better quality audio. So when we have people like Kirk McElhern, they come across crystal clear. I'm foggy no matter what. They said he's foggy. His logic is foggy or something like that. No, they didn't say that. Plus.technightowl.com. That's plus.technightowl.com. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me again, Jane. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.